John chapter 15 and starting to read at verse 18. Jesus speaking, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfil what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening. It's nice to see you here. Uh, My name's David. I work here at St John's, if I haven't met you before. Um, Great to welcome you and others online. We're going to look at John chapter 15, that short passage that John read to us, and uh, I'm going to start, uh, first of all, by flagging up. You can take notes in the back of this if you like to do that, if it helps you concentrate, Um, and I'm going to pray and ask God to help us. Uh, Welcome. Indeed, Father, we want to praise you and worship you now in this opportunity to listen to your word Um, as we focus on the words of Jesus. um, We've asked that we would not just hear the words of a man from the front, but we, we would hear the voice of God addressing each of us individually, calling us to to repentance and faith, to trust in Christ and to live for him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What do you expect when you head to work or go to a family wedding, go to a gig or meet friends at the pub for a drink? You turn up at maybe your sports club for training. What do you expect in those moments? Do you expect to be hated? I think we should. According to the words of Jesus, Jesus says we should, if we're following him, expect to be hated. And if we don't expect this, it may be the case that we won't stay Christian for very long. The passage tonight is about hatred and persecution of Christians. We might initially think, well, that happens in other parts of the world. We heard at our prayer meeting last week about a village being attacked by Boko Haram and people being killed because they wouldn't deny Christ, and just purely because they were identified 
as Christians. But closer to home, we saw in the news this week a man charged because he was planning to kill a Christian preacher at Speaker's Corner. Um, We may know of stories ourselves of, of nurses who have been singled out because they've wanted to wear a cross of doctors who have been targeted or or suspended because they've chosen to pray with patients, of of teachers who have been suspended because they've they've misgendered someone in the classroom. Um, We may know something of this in our circles, whether um, it's the mother who in conversation suddenly finds meeting a new mum, trying to be honest about a Christian belief, and suddenly the conversation just disappears. And that's the last time there's contact with that person. It could be the person heading off to university soon, and actually you're now finding out that actually your Christian union may not be part of your university on campus for very much longer. If they want to have certain speakers at the Christian union, You may feel it when you turn up with your friends uh, for training or at the gym with friends and again it comes out that you're a Christian and they can't quite agree with what you say is true for you. That in today's society very quickly either face to face or online we can feel cancelled and excluded. In the workplace it can happen even in our families, in our schools, someone who is uh, wanting to invite friends to church or even to their baptism service may even find that that is just ridiculed. It is very close in society today. Why should we listen uh, on top of those reasons that it is a real live thing? Well, it's so that followers of Jesus know what can happen. Jesus is preparing his disciples at this moment so that they are protected. It's what Jesus spoke of in the Gospels as there is a cost to following him. If you're not a Christian and you wouldn't say that you're, you're following Jesus, um, then tonight this, this will be in some ways a strange passage, but a window into the Christian life to understand what Jesus described about the cost. And if you are a Christian, then it will be reinforcing that for you. It will be a correction against false teaching that says uh, the Christian life is going to be a bed of roses. Or even there will be prosperity in the Christian life guaranteed. No suffering. It will be a correction for thinking that, that you've got something wrong in the Christian life. Because we're going to see that Jesus says, if you seek to live for me, you won't be able to avoid this. It is a normal part of the Christian life, of discipleship. You see, if uh, we don't hear what Jesus says about this, then we'll listen to our own thoughts. And our own thoughts will say, I've got it wrong. Maybe this isn't worth it. I should give up. Maybe this can be avoided. This is out of control. Uh, We could just be confused and unnerved. Here in John, 
we read about the last week before the cross. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure and the mission that is theirs to take on. And last time um, in chapter 15, we get, we get a flavor of, of what was being said, but we read this, chapter 15, if you glance down to verse 14, Jesus says to the disciples, you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his father's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. These are glorious things. And then it's a moment as if the needle comes off the record, if you remember records and needles, and there's like, and the tone changes, and verse 18, if the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also also. Change of tone. Because Jesus wants his disciples to know that the world will hate them. And here's the first reason in these verses I've just read, we've just read, in 18 to, 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 20, to, uh, to 20, the world will hate the disciples because of its hatred of Jesus. Hatred is inevitable, and we're going to see two reasons, and then in the second half we'll think about why this hatred is endurable. Hatred is inevitable, first says Jesus, because of me, verses uh, 18 to 20. Keep in mind that first hated, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. You do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Jesus is, is sort of saying the same thing twice in two different ways. He says, the disciples do not belong to the world, and they do belong to Jesus, whom the world hates. And so here is being emphasized a separateness for the disciples from the world. Those who are following Jesus are, are described as those who have do not belong to the world. In John's gospel, the, the world is often referred to, um, and it, it has a theological meaning. It's meaning um, the, the world as in people, humanity, organized against God, living in rebellion against God. That's the default position, Jesus says, that uh, no one starts uh, life loving God. And so he says, now that I have chosen you, you no longer belong to that. You belong to me. Because you belong to me, the world will hate you. You've changed sides. You no longer belong. You belong to me. And that will put you in direct conflict 
with those who are still living in rebellion. Imagine, if you will, uh, the scenario of a strike in the workplace. And we've seen this a lot, haven't we? And we've seen the pictures. And actually, it all looks quite amiable, some of these. Like, when I was a boy and I saw picket lines, it was horrible. Not that I was there. I was just watching, like, the minor strike and other strikes when I was growing up. This all looked quite amiable recently, but imagine in that workplace before the strike, you know, everybody's all friends, and then there is a strike, and one person decides to keep working and cross that picket line, and suddenly there is the potential to be hated because that person will be seen as a traitor with a different loyalty. Things have suddenly come to light. Others have become aware of a different loyalty. And Jesus wants his disciples to know that uh, they will face conflict in the world because of their loyalty to him. I heard a friend recently share about how in a, a sort of team building exercise, they were given the challenge of not just introducing themselves and saying what they were known for, but also saying something else that they would like to be known for. And as a Christian, he said, when it came, well, actually, there was another lady in the group, and this was funny, and we're going to need some laughs. So she, she said, I, I want to be known as mom, mom, because I've got three teenage children, and wherever they are in the house, that is how they refer to me, mom. His turn came round and he said to be known as a Christian. And at the end of the week, he said that somebody came to him and said, I just found that really quite encouraging and interesting and thought it was very bold of you. I come from America and lots of people say they're Christians and actually it doesn't add up to too much in his experience. But um, I, that actually helps me understand something I've noticed in you. Now, in that group, one person responded positively, but if we ever take that step, I can guarantee you there will be others for whom that little, I'm a Christian, will just have people turning over inside. If you haven't experienced that already, it does happen. It does happen. Like when our lifestyle shows something different about what we believe. If we uh, have decided to stop sleeping with our girlfriend or our boyfriend because we're not married, or if we're not getting smashed or high the way our friends are, if we're not joining in with the gossip or the slander of colleagues, if we don't watch or share the same things, as we becomes apparent that we are living differently, we will start to feel hatred from others. If we, if we make it clear that church or Bible study is a priority on some night, and we can do some nights for meeting up, but we can't do others for those reasons, we will be hated because of a different lifestyle. Because we show that we belong to Jesus. Jesus 
reminds the disciples, doesn't he, verse 20, um, that how it was for the master is a model for how it will be for disciples. And in the second half of verse 20, I think he is saying that one of the things that will lead to hatred is when we hold to his teaching. When we hold to his teaching, it seems to be, if they persecute, second half of verse 20, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. It's like the positive counterpart to persecution is the teaching of Jesus. And in general, the world will persecute the disciples for their teaching just as they did persecute Jesus for his teaching. The world may say that it likes Jesus and considers him a great teacher until it has to submit to his teaching, at which point it shows its hatred for Jesus. And don't we think that this is true in our own lives if we have to ever answer questions about what we believe with our friends, people at work, people in our classes, family, neighbor, on Jesus and other religions. So hang on, just let me get this right. What what you're saying is that all the other religions are wrong and that the only way to be saved is through Jesus? Or when people ask us what we believe about gender, you mean these people have got it that it's not fluid, that there's only male and female. And so someone has to, you know, it's not what we feel, but it's how we've been made, it's our bodies. Is, is that really what you believe? Is, is that what you're telling this person? Or, or we, I don't know when this might happen, but it could happen. You get onto current debates of the Church of England about same-sex marriage. What, you, you're, you're against that? For some of this, is, this could happen in meetings just now for, because of Corin and Tom being in leadership in the Church of England, in a teaching context, or just in answering questions. And what we will find is that if we side with Jesus and his teaching, the world will hate disciples because of him. So that's the first reason that I think we can see. The second one is uh, the world will hate the disciples because of its hatred for the Father, hatred of the Father. And this is the second half, 21 to 25. Jesus continues, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. They do not know the one who sent me, the Father. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. Did I just jump over a verse? Did I jump over verse 22? So in verse 22, he says, I spoke to them. In verse 24, he says, I did works, words and works. So they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. 
But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. You see, the they here, I think, in the context of John's gospel is primarily the, the Jewish leaders who have rejected Jesus and concluded that Jesus is just operating on his own. Um, they reject his claim that he's come from God. This, this is how John starts, that Jesus has come. This, so up here's heaven for some reason. Up here's heaven. And that Jesus has come from the Father into the world. And, and he's at the stage of going back to the Father. So he's come from the Father, sent into the world. And, and they just can't accept that. They reject that. That, that, that he's come from God, that he's the son of God, that he's sent by God, that, he's, that he is doing the Father's will and the Father's work. And, and despite all the evidence they're given, which, which is a form of revelation in teaching and in miracles, that's the works, they reject Jesus' claim as blasphemy and they want him dead. So when Jesus says that if he hadn't spoken in verse 22, they would not have been guilty of sin, it's not that he's saying it doesn't mean that they would have been innocent. That, that would be absurd. He's come to save all sinners because all have sinned. But rather because of that rejection, they've lost any possible excuse that they might have hoped for. So in 22 and in 24, we're being shown how both Jesus' words and works give them no excuse. So what is the root cause of their hatred of Jesus? Verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father as well. Now, at this moment, they're being given something that would protect them for the future. Because when we get into Acts, we find some of these guys speaking about Jesus in his name and being arrested and beaten up in the name of Jesus, who, who by, by the very same people that arrested and put Jesus to death, the same leaders, the same leaders who are claiming a love for God and that they know God. And because of Jesus' words said in advance, they would know at that time that the persecution they were facing was just sinful and had no justification. It merely exposes their hatred for the Father that they do not know God. The persecutors do not know God. It's hatred of the Father. So there's two reasons for why disciples can expect to be hated. Hated um, because of the world's hatred of Jesus and the world's hatred of the Father. And I promised, as well as showing that hatred is inevitable, that it's endurable. So slightly quicker, but because we had two reasons in the first half, I'm going to give you three reasons in the second half. 
why it's endurable. Here's the first one. Verse 25, they hated me without reason. In other words, we mustn't miss the fact that with that little line, which takes Psalm 69 and links it to what would happen in the future, what happened to King David would happen to other believers and to Jesus. They hated me without reason. <clears throat> Those persecutors were only doing what was predicted, but without justification. This was not out of control. Persecution, the rest of the Bible shows us wonderfully, incredibly, and frightingly, fright, fright in a very scary way, that God can use that to advance his kingdom. That Jesus is still Lord. It's not because of us. It's because of Jesus we face persecution. Because of the Father. Because they don't know God. It's an act of ignorance. It doesn't mean we've done something wrong. Although there are times when Christians can act unwisely. And there's a consequence. But it doesn't automatically think, mean that I've got something wrong in my discipleship. It's possible that we're being hated for no good reason at all. It's sinful. There's no justification. They hated me without reason. That's the first reason or thing to hold on to to help us when we're trying to persevere in the face of persecution. The second one is this. Persecution helps to prove that we are children of God. Verse 19 shows that we don't belong to the world, but belong to Christ. Did you spot how it was put at the end of verse 19? I have chosen you out of the world. So persecution is not proof of failed discipleship. Sometimes it is proof just a faithful witness. Proof of faithful witness and that who we belong to. So it's a strange encouragement to endure. And thirdly, um, Christ was hated. Verse 20. The master a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. We can't deserve any better than Jesus. We're not any better in Jesus. We cannot hope for better. And so, as he said to the first disciples, we need to remember his words because they will guard us from uh, false expectations and as we look back, all through history, faithful Christians have faced opposition and rejection and hatred and persecution. And we can't expect anything better. We have a Savior who went first through that for us. But we need to know that, yes, it's inevitable, but it is endurable if we persevere and remain in him 
Let's pray. Father, please would the words of Christ be um, a means of changing us and transforming us. We pray that they would be a means of helping us to be realistic about what it means to follow him, what to expect and what not to expect, that we will not be treated well by this world. We must not be surprised by that, but that we can trust him in these trials. Horrible and hard, but his love for us is not to be doubted. So please would you work these things into our hearts that we would be those who would want to live a godly life even if it means that we will be persecuted. That we would be found faithful and trusting in Jesus, our master and saviour. Amen.